Welcome back to Kavah the Podcast. I'm Kelly Archibald, and I want to thank you for tuning in. We live in a crazy world, so we made this podcast to shine some hope into your life. Our guests have lived through some incredible things, both good and bad, and they want to share their stories with you. Listeners like you make this podcast possible. If you've been inspired or encouraged by these stories, please consider supporting us on Patreon or contacting us about sponsorship opportunities. You can find more information about us at kavahpodcast.com. That's Q-A-V-A-H podcast.com. I really, really encourage you to realize God has a plan. Give you what you want. That's my favorite saying. We'll give you what you want. We'll never give you when you want it and how you want it. But we'll give you what you want. Yeah. So you just got to be patient. To some of our American listeners, this statement might sound like a well-worn cliche. We have heard all of our lives that God has a plan and we simply have to wait on him. But Sammy Delachahi, whose voice you just heard, has a very different perspective. From the day he came to the United States at age 15, Sammy had to build his life on that reality. Sammy's life began in Tehran, the capital of Iran. So when he talks about waiting on God for what he wants, he means waiting on God for friends, money to buy food, and the ability to speak a brand new language in a foreign country. Waiting on God meant working 80 to 90 hours a week, when Sammy first arrived in the United States, doing everything he could to make ends meet for himself and his family. Because even then, as strangers in a new land, they had to trust God to make a way. You see, Sammy was never a quitter. I was never picked to succeed. When I was younger, I used to get in trouble all the time. So my family even picked me not to make it past age 25. I used to get in fights all the time. Oh, wow. When I was a kid, yeah, I was not, I was not a, you know, I was, you know, I, I wouldn't be told what to do. I didn't want to be oh. told what to do. So, therefore, it's, uh, you know, I was not a problem. I tell my parents all the time. It's like, I apologize all the time for what kind of kid I was because I was not the greatest kid. Okay. But that came from where I was from. I was, right. you know, I was brought up in a rough neighborhood. I was, you know, with my five foot nothing, I had to be that way. So, right. I didn't get bullied. Right. So, I, I had a very, very tough exterior. So, throughout... I was picked that okay, I, he'll never make it. And then when I got older, it's like, okay, well, when I remember one of my biggest conversations and probably Thanksgivings or whatever, um, there's always that question, like, so what are you gonna do with your life? Mm-hmm. You know, are you always gonna wait on tables? Are you always gonna bartend? I used to get offense to that because I really love food, but right, I did. Right, right. So I'm like, you know, so to me, it was all about money. It's like, what do you make? You know, I remember, you know, we had a, I never forget that it's like this guy who was you know architect and you know whatever it's like so everybody's like always you know waiting on him whatever so it's like he's like the guy that right. he's got masters and he's an architect and he's making all that you know whatever uh-huh. so he used to always ask me so Sammy what are you gonna do with your life man so like, you're always gonna bartend or you're always gonna wait tables and I used to always ask him like Miller man what do you make man what do you make what do you bring home that's what I want to know right and he told me and I go I'll make that in three days. Wow. <laughs> like, and I remember that and I'm like to me it was always like okay when you come from nothing mm. the money that you make how hard you work what you 
make is that's that's it, yeah. it was never for me about budgeting for what I make. It was always about okay, what do I want? I'm gonna work for it and get it, mm. and that's what's gonna happen. Waiting for Sammy was anything but sitting on the sidelines. Even if his beginnings were humble, and even if his dream looked different from what some people expected, he knew what he wanted. He went after it and expected God to clear his path. Welcome to Kava. So tell me, what is your first memory? Oh, my goodness. Very first memory? It's always back in Iran. Okay. I was born in Tehran. Okay. And, uh, you know, I grew up in a house where, you know, my dad was a drug and a drug addict. Okay. So, you know, it was fun. I mean, I got forgave him for everything he did, but uh, he, uh, he loved to party. I think that's part of me that became a bartender and had such a success. Probably had a lot to do with right. watching him uh, work the room, I guess. And uh, yeah, he was. I mean, we had good memories, bad memories. I mean, it was a rough childhood. So grew up really poor. Even though my grandfather was a pretty well off, my dad pretty much blew it all away. So okay, on drugs and alcohol. So okay. he loved to party. So who was in your family that poor you? Your uh, dad. My dad. My mom. Years older brother, he's like my best friend, person I rely on. So, and then my younger brother, which is nine years younger than me, and that was our family of five. Okay. Sammy had no say in how his life started. He couldn't control his humble beginnings in a rough neighborhood of Tehran without a lot of money to go around. Unfortunately, those choices were made by his father, who spent their money on his addictions. Sammy also had no control over what happened to his country when he was a teenager. So you lived in Tehran. What yes. was that like? You know, it was a busy city. It was, is you know, you know, people. A lot of people they uh, see the media, you know, version of Iran, and they see you know camels and right. there's nothing like that. Right. It's, you know, it's a, it's like New York. It's like you know, the uh, people drive Mercedes just like anybody else right. there. You know, they, uh, they're, you know, they're well-off people and they're poor people. They're, you know, they're, it's just like any other city. The economy, the economy was, uh, went through the, uh, revolution. So I was, I was a teenager when that happened. Okay. And so what was that? That was a, it was, you know, it's overtaken and, uh, it was, it became a religious government. The Iranian revolution, also known as the Islamic revolution, was a series of events that culminated in the overthrow of the Pahlavi dynasty under Shah Mohammad Reza Pahlavi and the replacement of his government with an Islamic republic under Ayatollah Khomeini. You know, it's, uh, it, there was no freedom. So there's no freedom of speech, there's no freedom. Right. Basically, whatever the government wants, that's what you need to say. If you don't say it, then basically you get reprimanded for it. Okay. You know, if, against the government they pretty much come into your house take everything and you know all that kind of stuff but uh you know so you pretty much you know there's no freedom basically. okay so was your family of the faith that took over the government uh yeah actually my, my mom's still a Muslim okay. okay you know I, I'm a Christian so okay it's all good we all yeah. have our own personal right. religious beliefs right and, uh, right you know so that was for your family that persecution, religious persecution, maybe didn't happen. You know, it didn't okay. happen. In the midst of all this chaos, Sammy's dad did make one very important choice for what he could control. He chose to take all of the remaining money and spend it on a radical hope 
for something better. So, but what happened was there was no future. Oh, okay. So when my dad looked at it, you know, at that point, uh, the universities were closed, oh, schools wow. were closed. So there's no future. As, as a father, you know, he looked at it and he's like, okay, there's no future. Wow. So he, he basically sold everything and got us out of the country. Wow. Me, my mom, and my little brother, we skipped the country. Okay, so how old were you? Uh, I was 14 or 15. Okay, so you had you attended school up to that point? Uh, yes. Okay. Yes, I did in school. I, had a, I was really good at soccer. I had a soccer scholarship, but oh. it all went away because of the revolution. Oh, and soccer scholarship to Europe. Yeah, I was. I played. I was one of the 12 people that played soccer for the city of Tehran at the age of uh, 15. Oh my goodness. 10th grade, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah, that's one of those things. So that's one of my good memories that I remember. Yeah. That's, um, so then you left the country. Um, and what was that like? Was that, were you Horrible. scared? Yeah. I mean, we had to escape the country in the middle of the night. Oh with, my goodness. With my uh, six-year-old brother. Try to tell him to be quiet at one o'clock in the morning in the middle of the desert. <laughs> you know, it was not, you know. Were you in a car? Were you yeah, in, okay. yeah, yeah. So there are people that they're, they're in the country that they get paid to get you across. They live in that area by the border of the Pakistan and Iran. So oh, wow. they get paid. So basically my dad sold everything and paid these guys to get us across. So once wow. we got across, we flew to France. We had a cousin that lived there. Okay. And then we applied for a visa to come to the US. My brother was already here as an exchange student. Wow. So he was already studying. In university already here, so we joined in here. It took a while. There's a lot of uncertainty because you can't go back. No. You know, and if you get caught when you leave it, there is no, um, there is no due process like it is in right. the U.S. Right. So a lot of times, it's like I think in here we take our freedom very, very lightly. We take it, you know, we don't take it for what it is. So anyway, so there's no court. There's nothing. Basically, they see you escaping the country, they shoot you on the spot. So, so when we left the country, um, it was in the middle of the night. My mom, it was my mom, me, and my little brother. My dad had to stay behind because you couldn't give any kind of thing that you know you escape in the country. Okay, so your dad stayed in Tehran. Yes, stayed behind. Oh my, so it's just the three of you. Yes. <gasps> yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's oh, probably not the greatest. Yeah. That's so scary. It was. It was because when you get to Pakistan, uh, nothing against the people that live there. The, I remember the drive from there to their capital city was they got these pit stops and every stop you had to bribe people because they knew there was an exit stamp on your thing so they knew if they repaired your back you'll they kill you so they know that you know that so you had to pay a bribe you know that to just get through so I remember getting there I remember flying out of there to France I was never first so relieved in my life so once we got to France um, we stayed with my uh, Cousin for about a month, and uh, until we were able to apply for a visa to US and try to come here and start a new life. Wow! So had you traveled much before then? No, that was my first time on there. Uh, that's what I was thinking. Like, <laughs> oh my goodness! Because, because we grew pretty poor, we didn't fly anywhere. Right, right. We drove everywhere. We took a bus everywhere. Wow! And so yes, yeah. so that's because flying's kind of scary anyway, and then you're. <laughs> Yeah, we couldn't afford to, yeah, right. so we couldn't afford flying. So that's why wow. my first, uh, my first, my first airplane I got into that was it. So um, you're what, fifteen or 15, so, and yes. you fly from 
France. From Pakistan to France, Pakistan and they're from France to here. Okay, so what part of the United States? I remember States? when we got here, I told my mom, I was like, if anything happens, like, when we leave in, I was like, I'm not going back the same way. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was horrible. But yeah. uh, it was probably there two months. Yeah, but, you know, all these things you go through, it builds character. Yes. So it builds, uh, yes. it builds immune system right. to hard, right. you know, hardship. So right. to me, you know, as scary as it was, it kind of, taught me not to be scared. I mean, things don't scare me much anymore because I've been through that. Right. That makes sense. Right. Absolutely. So, uh, so yeah, it's, uh, so when we came here, you know, we lived in Fremont, California for about eight months after that's when my brother was. Sammy's family had laid a foundation of faith for a new life, but it required everything they possibly could give. Even when no one around them believed they could do it, Sammy rose to the challenge. And that, to me, that's what got me through. Like, what got me through is being told I couldn't. Wow. All my life. Wow. Like, you can't speak English. You're not going to make it. Yeah, where did you learn English? Here. Okay. i never forget first day I went to school. All I could say when people ask me questions, I would tell them I don't speak English. Oh, and I just wow. sat there watching. And what happens, you hear the language wow. and you hear it. And the first thing you know, you would start understanding it. Right. And then once you start understanding it, then you start speaking it. And when you start speaking it, you kind of speak that, I call it broken English. Right. And then after a while, you know, like I've been here for, since 1982, so, you know, after a while you start yeah. speaking it. And But when I got here, I couldn't speak English. Wow. We had no money. Wow. I remember we used to live in an uh, apartment where kids weren't allowed. Oh. Yeah, because it was, that's all we could afford. Wow. So I remember every time. <laughs> Manager Orlando, everybody knock on the door. I had to go hide in the closet to yeah. come. Someone's be there. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, so you didn't have any help from the UN or anybody like that. Nobody. You just were on your own. Nobody. Wow. We left the we left the country with five thousand dollars in the pocket. Whoa. And that was for everything to pay for the airplane, everything Whoa. to get here, and all the bribery in Pakistan and all that. So when we got here, uh, we lived with my brother. Brother was working in Tech in a Box. Uh, he was a shift manager, and he got me a job there. In California. So yeah, in California. So I would go to school from like eight to twelve, and then I would run because we didn't have a car. It was on right. a ride. I had to be at work at. I would get off at three. I had to be at work at four, and it was like five miles away. So the minute that bell rang, I was running, not jogging, running because I had no friends. I couldn't speak English. I couldn't get a ride. So I would run like to work every single day, work all night, and then come home, and then go to the next day, same thing. So after a while, once I started speaking English, started making friends, so my friends would give me a right to work, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. But but at the beginning, it was all about run to work, and then we wow. worked seven days a week, and between my income, and then my mom was an accountant, so she started getting a job, so we would put all of our income together to pay the rent, and yeah. pay for the food, and everything else. So my mom probably one of the most selfless people I've ever met. Mm -hmm. So from her, you know, yeah. the amount of forgiveness that she has in her, it's amazing. Wow. Especially what she went through with my dad. So. Wow. I definitely admire her. That's amazing. Yeah, she's uh, she's definitely amazing. So so my, I remember at the beginning when they kind of broke up, I was mad at her. Mm -hmm. I was like, it was my dad come here, now the family's back together and you're trying to break it up. Not thinking what she's been through. Right. 
So as you go, you realize, okay, you know. Yeah. yeah she, uh, yeah, so I told you I got a lot. You do have a lot. Yeah. Once Sammy's family got their footing in the United States, Sammy took an opportunity to move from California to Texas. Once he was there, he started to really hone in on the kind of work he enjoyed. And then my cousins uh, lived here, so they like come to Texas. Okay. So we came to Texas. I got into restaurant business early on, mm-hmm. you know, waiting tables, washing dishes, whatever you took. I remember I even baked. I was a baker overnight in the summer because uh, my family owned a little French bakery. So I worked there and uh, overnight, I, you know, I'll be making like black forest cakes or croissants and like that but uh we get to the waiting part of it that's when i found you know i really loved waiting on people i really did i don't know if it's because of my childhood waiting on my dad and brought his friends over or what but uh but yeah so i really like the restaurant business and i really dig it and you know my brothers went to university you know i kind of took the restaurant path so i worked in the restaurants and you know I remember basically coming in here, I realized I'm in a place where, you know, there is no obstacle to get what you want. Mm-hmm. You just got to work for it, mm-hmm. which is different from where I came from. No matter how hard you work for it, there's always obstacles. You know, there's like, there's a stop what you can do. You know, it's not, you know, you can get what you want as long as you work hard for it. It doesn't exist everywhere. It just exists right. here in the United States. So I realized if I want something, I got to work for it. So. Pretty much worked 80, 90 hours a week on my life. So I worked in a restaurant business. and. You know. So so you came from California to mm-hmm. the Metroplex. Yes. And then you started just yes. whatever job you came North Dallas. Yes, okay. yes. So we, we worked in, I worked in a lot of places. I worked in, you know, Bay Street Cafe, Cafe Capri. There's a lot of restaurants in North Dallas that um, I worked for Applebee's for a long time. Okay. I was, you know, corporate trainer. I used to train people and all that kind of stuff. I was really good at what I did. So, yeah. you know, you saw, saw me, I, I did, and I was making good money, and uh-huh. my tips were always good. And, but the mainly to me, it wasn't about my approach. wasn't about waiting on people. It was making friends. Mm. So throughout the years, a lot of my customers they became like family. Wow. Whatever restaurant I went into, they followed me. Wherever wow. I came to, they followed me. So it's a lot of the stuff happened throughout the years. You look back at it now. Before you're like, oh, okay, well, this is what happened because it just happened. So get my belief that, you know, everything happens for a reason. Right. I believe there's a bigger plan right. in place now that I'm where I'm at. And he was just getting started. On the next episode of Kava, Sammy goes on to build even greater things and witness God move powerfully in his life. His life shows that no matter where you start from or the things that are out of your control, God will make a way if you do the hard work of waiting. Thanks again for listening to Kaval the Podcast. It's our joy to share these stories of hope in a confusing world. To keep up with our guests and adventures in podcasting, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We would also love it if you gave us a review on whatever podcasting platform you use. It helps us continue to share hope around the world. We are so grateful for our listeners who financially support Kaval the Podcast. If you would like to become a supporter, please consider donating via Patreon or contacting us about sponsorship opportunities. You can find more information at kavahpodcast.com. That's Q-A-V-A-H.
www.thehomepodcast.com. I would like to thank my head writer, Rebecca Gray, and audio engineer, Meredith Douglas. I could not do this without you. You make this happen, and I can't express my gratitude. Maybe you've been listening because you found yourself in a desperate place. We want you to know that all is not lost. It is our desire that you would be able to borrow hope from those who've gone before you, those who've waited to find a positive outcome. Please be sure and connect with us via our website or social media. Until next time, take care of yourselves and each other.